0: the show. You have all made it through the dance. 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 You have all made it, made it, made it. Welcome to to you from the X-Access. It's John of all trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to John's audio resume, volume 14. your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And man, it's been a while since we've done one of these, huh? In fact, it has been about 17 months. It was March of 2019 when last I did a John's audio resume. And when I left you, I had just quit working for that fucking energy drink that I hated with the power of a thousand suns. That job was by far and away my least favorite job I've ever had. For reasons that I could go into here again, but I'd prefer not to relive that chapter of my life. So if you're interested, go to johnofalltrades.us, check out podcast tab, and under there you'll see John's audio resume. You'll see all 13 entries that lead up to today. Now, it's interesting. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to do this episode. Because on this show, I only ever refer to my corporate gig. And it's a job I did for... What? Four and a half years? Something like that? Five and a half years maybe? Nope, four and a half years. And I wasn't sure if I was ever going to talk about it in this way, but here we are. It's August of 2020, and not that long ago, this company announced it was getting acquired. So, it's no longer going to exist in the form for which I worked for it. Many of the people that I worked for are no longer there, so fuck it, let's talk about it. I was public relations representative for Noble Energy. Now, Noble is one of the two biggest oil and gas companies in Colorado. At the time, in particular, it was Noble and Anadarko. They were the two leaders in the DJ Basin, the denver julesburg Basin, and they were going great guns. Big companies uh, continuing to grow. Oil and gas was kind of on the upswing. At the time I joined, going through a tough time because BP was so kind as to poison our gulf by leaking oil for however many days in a row that was. Thanks a lot, BP. Quality work there. Noble operated in the Gulf of Mexico, and Adarco operated in the Gulf of Mexico, and everyone was freaked out about what was going on. Not only the environmental disaster that was happening, but potentially what was going to happen that was going to end the industry in so many ways. So, I'm toiling away at the energy drink. BP spills a bunch of oil in the Gulf. The man who came to be my boss gets together with me. He goes, I only have a little bit of time because have you heard about what's going on? Deepwater Horizon, the Macondo well, Gulf of Mexico. I go, yeah, I hadn't. I'll be honest with you. I was stuck in energy drink hell. So I was busy fielding pitches from like shitty motocross riders and like dumbass cage fighters and sponsorship invitations for fucking skydiving festivals and rodeos and all sorts of shit. But I go, yeah, of course. And so, you know, I had a background in oil and gas. I grew up in that industry. My dad had worked in the industry for as long as I'd been alive. And when I worked at the PR firm, that was the majority of my client work. So I understood it kind of front to back and he goes, all right, let's see what you got. I showed him my resume. I had like a whole portfolio of stuff that I did. And he goes, this is great going to take me some time to navigate the channels. I got to get this approved. So can you hang in there? I go, all right, I'll do my best. I lasted another month. That was it. That was all I could do. I went back there and there came a time where I'm like, I can't fucking be here anymore with this terrible dumbass, tyrant meathead jock douchebag boss dealing with these terrible people and their shitty festivals. I got to get the fuck out. So found a side door, had to go crawling back to the PR firm. That was a good feeling where you go, hi, yes, I know I left here. And I know I said some weird things during my exit interview. I was such a pissy, ornery, just pain in the ass employee in so many ways that the fact that they took me back at all is either a credit or a detriment to them. I like to think it's a credit. Those people at MGA communications had the biggest hearts. I adored them. I loved working for them. I learned so much working for them. So I went back there, did some time there. They brought me back $25 an hour, guaranteed me 20 hours a week. And if I brought in any business, then great. So I called my guy at Noble. And by the way, I'm not going to use anyone's name here. For those of you who kind of know my time there, you'll be able to easily identify these people. And we're going to try and keep it high level. There may be some heat here on some of these folks, but we're going to keep it all above board. And they didn't ask to appear in this, so I'm not going to name anyone by name. Anyway, my boss, I tell him, I'm like, hey, I, I got to get back to the PR firm. I can't do this energy drink shit anymore. And he goes, okay, that's fine. And before he's actually able to get the position approved, he has some contract work for me and MGA. I go, great. So like immediately I'm kind of justifying their decision for bringing me back. And it's fantastic too. It's like a shitload of work. They have a new development play in Southeast Wyoming. So they got to interface with the public. So we get together, we put together this whole town hall. Each station is like manned by a different department. So it's like a walkthrough people in the area who like live there, who get notices that, Hey, oil and gas developments coming to this region, which by the way, is what happens despite what you'll hear sometimes in the news. We have to do a lot of notification. So not a ton of letters, invited them to this open house. And we said, okay, here's how geology works. Here's how land works, you know, leasing. And here's what split estate means. There are some people who own the minerals and some people who own the surface rights. And then you go into drilling. Here's what drilling looks like. Here's the components of it. And then here's completions, which is where fracking happens. So you've got very, very tight rocks with oil and gas trapped in it. You have to fracture them. So you create these very small hairline fractures and the oil pumps out. You seal off the rest of the groundwater. It's a whole involved process that I'm not going to get onto here, but Here's how it works. So they got to see that part. And then here's what it looks like when we're done. So that's all like all the regulations we have to follow, all the reclamation, everything there. So this is like a huge project. And then the business unit manager was also speaking in a number of different places. So they asked me to staff him at that. So I drove around Wyoming, just kind of followed him around, and it was great. We hit it off. He said, I'm going to recommend, like I'm going to give who would be your boss more juice, I guess, when he talks to HR and, you know, when he works it up the chain. And so I I think this is what we need, especially as the company gets a little bit more high profile. So I go, great. So it's like December. It finally gets approved. I start working there. And what's funny about it is I'm really excited to work there. And my boss is kind of on the go. And so my first day, he said, hey, welcome. Glad you're here. I got to go catch a plane. I'll see you in a week. I'm like, okay, what should I do while you're gone? He goes, I don't know, man. You'll figure it out. Um, meet with people. Learn as much as you can. Read as much background material on the company. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll figure it out. And I go, <laughs> all right. Um, see you later. Thanks for hiring me. And so I didn't see him hardly at all, all the way until Christmas. And I had to go in over Christmas, like everyone, like the office was closed. There was hardly anyone in there, but I would go in and just take meetings with people. And I saw him in there. He went in when no one else was in there because he's a genius. And he was like catching up on his mail and just doing stuff. And I said, how am I doing? He goes, well, you're taking meetings. You're putting out work product. You're, you're just getting together. You've got presentations scheduled. He's like, "You're, you're doing great as far as I'm concerned. And here's one thing you need to know. I don't care when, where, or how you get your job done. Just get it done. Just let's, let's talk about what needs to be accomplished. Hit me up for that anytime. And I'll back the plays you make. Like I'll be your supervisor and I will run it up the chain. I go, what else can you ask for from a boss? This is without question, my favorite boss I've ever had, at least as far as a company setting clients are a little bit different. I adore pretty much all the clients I have and have ever had with one notable exception that dicked me out of $14,000 last year. That's an entirely different episode. But when it comes to bosses, he was about as good as it gets. And so I would have walked through fire for that guy. And I worked my fucking ass off for him. Literally. I would like work nights. I'd work weekends. He put me in charge of the charitable giving portfolio. And so I was like vetting all these opportunities. This was my favorite part of the job, by the way, because when you work for a company this big, you know, they, they see that we're investing at least a billion dollars a year into Colorado. I mean, they see dollar signs and they should, and a company should be obligated to give back. So that's part of what my job was. And when I got to call charities and be like, Hey, You know, we're doing this for you for $25,000 for $50,000. Sometimes it was as little as five. The response that you get is such a high because you go, I'm making a material difference here. And I get to be the person who actually experiences that. It reminds me of the end of Erin Brockovich when she brings, what's his bucket, Erin Eckhart out to like the family that she's been working with. And she gets to tell them that they won $3 million from the settlement with PG&E. She goes, I want you to see what the work I've done means to people because I couldn't do it without you. So getting to be that person, man, what a time. Now, granted, there was some less cool stuff where you're working for an oil and gas company. Things are going to happen, right? On one of our sites, for instance, this isn't a big deal. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school. When I talk about this, we found a bunch of dead birds and we had to have our environmental people. We had to have contractors and consultants go out there and see what was going on. But they call in PR because, you know, a bunch of dead birds on an oil and gas site doesn't look so good. And so we got to figure out what's going on. How do we talk about it? What are the legal ramifications? So I'm in there with legal. I'm in there with environment, health, and safety. I'm in there with the business unit managers. And that can be really, really stressful when you're talking to the media. That's not always the most fun either, but you know, it's all part of the job. You are in corporate communications a lot of moving pieces here. There are so many fucking people to meet because this business is enormous. And so at the time there were three business unit managers. Like I said, I started working for one. Those projects went great. We wanted to do something similar to kind of that. What did I call it? Open house where people come and they look at all these exhibits. And so I'm like, all right, well, we did it for this one. Why don't we just adapt it for this other business unit? And it turns out those two business unit managers didn't see the world the exact same way. And I found myself just eating shit again and again and again. And it was weird because I'm like, what is happening? Like, it, I've done this before. This seems like it should go smoothly. And he calls me on the phone and he goes, what works for that business unit manager does not work for me. The quicker you learn that, the better you will do here. So I'm out. Across the state. Like I'm in grand junction for something with yet the third business unit manager. And as I'm coming back, the world is coming down around me. So what I do is I realize I'm fucked here. If I don't get this right, like this is going to be a big problem if I don't get buy-in. So what I did was I sat down with his chief Lieutenant. As soon as I pulled in to the garage, I went straight to her office and I said, look, I know I'm eating shit here and everyone's pissed at me and help me. I need help. And I just fell on my sword. I ate a huge shit sandwich and I go, "Let's start over. What do we need? How can I be of service to you? I am dedicated to you now." And that softened her immediately and she goes, "Okay, great. Perfect. We're on the same page now. I'm going to help you." And so, got help. That project ended up being successful and I go, "Okay, great. That's uh That's a load off my mind. I'm not going to get fired in my first year. Thank God. Now, first year lapses and it's really good. It's really hard. I'm on the road like a lot there that August of that year, I think out of something like 25 work days. No, that's too many. Like, okay, put it to you this way. Out of 30 days out of the month, I was on the road, 23 of them. Going to Houston, going to D.C., going to Wyoming, going to Wyoming again, going to different parts of Colorado. But I am just on the go. I am out of town. It's wild. At the end of the first year, my boss calls me. I'm driving home. And I'm like, I'm going home. It's almost the holidays. Like, what? What? And so it's my one-year review. We didn't even actually have a formal review. And he goes, um, you want to know what your raise is? I go, uh, yeah, Sure. And so I don't want to do this in real dollar terms. So let me think about it. So, um, he essentially got me like, it was more than a 10% raise. So I want to say it was like a 12 to 14% raise. That was my first year. And I'm like fat, like, this is fantastic. I'm working my ass off for you. You recognize that. And you're rewarding me for it. What a day, what a time to be alive. What a company I'm thrilled. Cut to bonus season. So that'd be February. So I've been there a year and two months, right? And I'm on my way to Houston. I got to go do something down there. And he calls me and he goes, yeah, I just handed in my resignation. I go, you motherfucker. And I'm like, good for you. I'm thrilled for you. He told me where he was going. It seemed to be working out really well for him. And I go, I'm pissed though, because I love working for you. And it's not going to be the same. We just got this new VP. And I don't know how to feel about it. Well, it turns out he'd done some asking around and he knew he wasn't going to function really well with this new VP. I'm kind of stuck at this point because I can't change careers and nor do I especially want to. Like I know the business unit managers now. I know the key people that I need to know. I've gotten buy-in from people. My job is really fun. It's always interesting. I'm doing weird shit. Like I took meetings with the Colorado Rapids which is the major league soccer team here in town. And I I always take weird meetings. Like I never know where the next good idea is going to come from. It's why this whole podcast is based around me talking to people with all different jobs. I love that shit, right? I'm into that. So I'm like, I'll give this guy a shot. This sort of (laughs) goobery kind of sports marketing guy who I really like. And I haven't talked to in years, but I explained to him like, look, man, we're not a consumer facing company. So I'm not looking to sell product here. We're a commodity. And so I kind of explained the goals of what community outreach looks like for an oil and gas company. And I remember I told my boss, I'm like, hey, I got to go have a meeting with the Rapids. He goes, what? What? Okay. And when I came back with the proposal, he said, you know, it's funny because you told me where you were going. I'm like, why the hell is he doing that? And you come back with gold. So nicely done. He's like, I love that about you and your work style. And by the way, if you're driving on Colfax right by whatever the hell it's called now in Field Mile High Stadium, you'll notice the south side of that stadium is sponsored by Noble Energy. The reason we got into sports marketing, the tip of the spear was me. I brought that to our leadership and they go, oh, hey, this is really cool. This is interesting. This could work for us. Yeah, no shit, man. That's what you hire me for. That's why I'm here. I'm in the crazy idea business. You can say yay or nay, but the fact that some of this made it through the gate and you guys actually took it and started sponsoring a ton of sports stuff all around the country. Yeah, that was me, dude. That's where it started. So that part was really fun. New VP comes in. He's much different. He comes from an even bigger corporation than the one that we are. So he's got a particular view of the world, a way he wants to do things, and right from the get-go... He and I are like oil and water, not to mention the fact that I now have to do my boss's job. Now, it's one thing if you've ever worked in a company where, you know, someone underneath you leaves and you kind of have to assume their responsibilities. Like, it's a job that you've done before and you're like, okay, I don't want to do this menial shit anymore. I'm really sick of it. I'm over it. This is why I got promoted. This is why I'm in management, whatever. Right. Have you ever had to do your boss's job? So he was director of government relations, That is not my background. I didn't come out of D.C. I was never a congressional staffer. I didn't work for any like committees. I didn't work for any like departments, you know, not Department of Interior, Department of Energy, nothing like that. And so I am fully, fully out of my depth here. And so my team of consultants that I had, I'm like, you guys got to help me. I got them together. I tapped into another guy who kind of had connections at the Capitol. I worked with our lobbyist. I was putting together like weekly and monthly reports. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about because I wasn't familiar with process, but I was getting it done. And I was working even harder than I was before. Excuse me. And at the end of the year, I'm thinking to myself, like, I hope they recognize this and I hope they acknowledge what I've been going through because I'm doing it largely absent my big boss who is busy dealing with issues in Africa, in Europe, in D.C., in Houston, in the Gulf of Mexico. He's got a lot on his plate. He doesn't really have to worry about Colorado all that much. Comes time for my review. Now, if you'll remember, my previous review was awesome. He Calls me on the phone and he's like, you're doing a great job. Here's your raise 12 to 14 percent, whatever it was. And I go, fantastic. Big boss calls me, we have our review. And he says, um, we're not going to promote you. Here's your sort of minimal nominal raise. This is where we think you're at. And at that point I did pretty much the only thing I've ever regretted in my career. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but this is the one that really stands out. And I said, may I speak candidly here? And he said, sure. Do you, do you care to refute any of this? And I go, absolutely. And I started yelling at him and I was really, really pissed off. So let me think this. I was 30 years old. I had broken myself down mentally. I was sick almost the entire year. I was on the road constantly. I was taking shit from all sides and I just lit into him and I told him all the ways he fell down I used a bunch of profanity and in retrospect, that was really, really uncool and not a good move. But what can I say? I was a raw nerve and it certainly didn't help me get a raise. I can tell you that. So I don't know what I was hoping to happen. I think it was just catharsis, but ultimately, yeah, that sank me quite a bit. So I'm two years into this company now and I'm kind of behind the eight ball. So as my reward, instead of getting a raise, I got shipped off to leadership training. <laughs> week long, Colorado Springs. Admittedly, pretty badass. It was like, uh, a full week down at, not the Broadmoor, but one of those other ones that's down there. There's like three awesome resorts, like Cheyenne Mountain Resort, I want to say is one of them. Or, uh, Garden of the Gods with the Kissing Camels. I don't think it was that one. I think it was Cheyenne Mountain. But, uh, it was like seven grand to get in and you had to get evaluations from like 20 people that you worked with. They had to fill out these long, long questionnaires. They took like 40 minutes to fill out. And I can tell you there is nothing quite as uncomfortable as sitting there reading honest feedback that people don't think you're going to see about who you are and what your performance is like. Um, everyone who was in that room. So this leadership training, people fly in from all across the country to do it. And I'm in there with leaders from all sorts of industries. One guy worked for Kinder, which is the, uh, no, not Kinder. Whoever the parent company is of Nutella and like Ferrero Rocher. I think it is Kinder, actually. And so, like, he's in there. A guy who worked for, like, um, like a foundry is in there. This chick who worked for Planned Parenthood is in there. And then there's, like, commercial real estate guys and you know, just every kind of corporate goon you could expect and nonprofit people. And everyone's sitting there reading the feedback about them. And it's like everyone was forced to watch a snuff film. It was wild, but they have you do a bunch of team building exercises and you work in these small groups and it's great. Like it was really, really fun, really rewarding. I went in totally skeptical because I mean, back in who I was until I think, until I started working for myself, I was really kind of just shitty and just a pain in the ass to work with. And so having now gone through this, I'm like, okay, this is great. And so I came back with a whole new approach. Uh, It was fantastic. I had this great idea to build the ambassador program, which would help our employees talk about the things that we did with a great deal of nuance and care and demonstrating that, you know, if people have questions or concerns about oil and gas development, it doesn't mean that they're crazy. They can be wrong. People are entitled to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong, but it doesn't mean that they're crazy. So don't treat them as such. People have read what they've read. Okay? That's fine. Acknowledge that. Hey, if I'd read what you read, I'd probably be afraid of this industry too. There are a lot of terrible things out there. Can I help you fill in the other side of the picture? Can I give you more context? Can I maybe counter some of what you've heard with my own experience? And that was super useful. I did 25 of those. I want to say, yeah, like 25 of those, and they were like three days long. It was amazing. It was like my favorite thing to do. It got to combine teaching with PR, with public speaking, with all sorts of great stuff that I just love. So this was like my favorite thing that I got to create, and they put me on it almost like that was the bulk of what I was working on as they got more people to work on the team. And I no longer had to do my boss's job either. So things are going great, and I'm feeling a little bit refreshed. I'm kind of getting recharged. Then the floods happen and it's 2013 September and a couple of things happened. One, as the rain is starting to fall and the floods are starting to happen more and more, I get a call from a reporter, one that I like, one that I have a good relationship with. That's one of the weirder parts of being in public affairs and public relations is you will maintain relationships with reporters, which I think for some people in a professional sense They spend their whole lives just trying to avoid talking to reporters. I maintain relationships with them. It's one of the stranger parts of the job. I tell her, she's like, you know, are are you guys prepared for this? How are you feeling? And I said, we have no official comment. Okay. Note that we have no official comment, but we're feeling pretty good about it. This seems like it's going to stay east of I-25 and most of our stuff is west of I-25. That ended up being not true. But I told her we had no official comment. She went ahead and published it anyway. So I got tons and tons of shit for that, which wasn't my fault, which I tried to explain to everyone. No one cared. That's kind of the culture of this company. It was very passive-aggressive. For instance, I gave a presentation at the Sterling Rotary Club, so Sterling, Colorado, uh, also known as, hey, you're almost in Nebraska. And I went up there, and they basically transcribed my entire speech Whoever the reporter was basically just took notes on the entire thing and wrote that as a whole two-full-page article. I read it, and I sort of have a sense. It's like a quarterback, you know, when they have a stopwatch in their head about when the pocket's going to collapse. When I'm reading an article, I kind of know where it's going to end. I got to that point, and then it it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. One line in there said uh referred to me as director of public relations i had never ever called myself that like that's not on my business cards i didn't have it on the slides i never said that that was something she got wrong but apparently i had a lot of heat behind the scenes for that what the fuck what is that just to ask me about it it's like oh so you gave yourself a promotion i didn't know such thing you ass i i didn't write this fucking article Okay, like stop putting words in my mouth and stop assigning me shitty motive. I didn't do that. Okay, that's not my fault. So floods happen again. Not my fault. Sounds like I'm belly aching and I am. But whatever. This was years ago. Who gives a shit at this point? Second thing that happened. The business unit manager who's in charge of this entire area doesn't handle crisis all that well. Kind of all over the place. Uh, Kind of emotional, kind of uh, impulsive, impetuous. He's given me like 10 different things to do each day. I can't do them all. I'm not getting support again from Houston because me and my big boss are like oil and water. And as I'm up there, I'm getting ready to take a photography and a video crew out there to document some of, you know, what it looks like out there, what the damage is, what we're doing, putting this thing together. And I get on the phone with him and he's got this really, really shitty tone with me. Just being a total passive aggressive dick about it. And I'm like, do you want me to punt this? Like, I mean, we hired these guys. We still have to pay them, but like, I, I will do what you need me to do. And he goes, no, that's fine. Just go out there. I go. All right. So I don't think anything of it. Come to find out later. During the course of an executive leadership call, He starts shooting off at the mouth about me, starts saying just terrible things about me, about my performance, about how dissatisfied he is with me and my big, big boss. So not the one I'm like oil and water with, but his boss is on that call. It was about time for my review. I was in line for promotion. I was in line for a raise. Evidently, based on this one asshole's comments, that was all torpedoed. That was no longer on the table. That was told to me by my direct supervisor. And I said, what did he say? He said, I'd prefer not to, you you don't, don't worry about it. And I go, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. I think I'm going to worry about it, man. Like we're we're talking about my career. This is my future. Like what, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. And he never told me, but I was taken off that crisis, uh, situation, you know, with the flood and all that. Thank God, whatever. Fine. At that point, I make up my mind, I'm going to leave. So this is late 2013. And in the background of everything going on, and by the way, that kind of set me over the edge. I went into a fairly deep depression at that point, but that was only half of it. The other half was that my wife and I were dealing with infertility in the background this whole time. So for like two years, we had you know, gotten all these tests done. We've done some IUIs. I've written about that on the site. You can look for it. It's under the tab blog, our infertility story. You can see all the stories there. But both these things are happening. I'm having some professional turmoil. And then anyone who's ever gone through infertility can tell you what a toll it takes on you mentally, what a toll it takes on your partner, and what a toll it takes on your marriage. And so I'm just miserable and unhappy. And I decide I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm leaving. And so I'm all set to quit, but lo and behold, February of 14, my wife gets pregnant, which is great, great news. And we're thrilled. It's exactly what we want. But I go, well, shit, I can't fucking, I can't leave now. Like I can't be starting a business while my wife is pregnant. Like I kind of got to hang on and we got to have the health insurance so that we can pay to have this baby which by the way this country is broken if that's a reason for you to stay and to continue to be unhappy but i decided to tough it out so i'm like okay baby's due november 1st so okay i'll be out for like 2 weeks and then it's thanksgiving so that's like lighter schedule anyway and then well shit i mean thanksgiving you may as well stick around through december where nothing happens and everything's pretty slow okay so i'm staying till the end of the year well god damn it if i'm staying till the end of the year then I got to at least stick around till February for bonus season. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay. I had to do this for a year. And thankfully I have this ambassador program to keep me busy. I'm kind of keeping a low profile. I'm just, I'm trying not to ruffle any more feathers. I'm done with that. And in the background, I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to start this podcast. Let's do that. And so started that up in March of 2014 and basically banged out as much as I could because I knew if I didn't start it then I was never going to do it. I was never ever going to do it. Once that baby was born, I had to know what I was doing and be good at it so that I could continue to do it. And lo and behold, here we are six and a half years later, we're still going strong. Let's fast forward now to the end of 2014. Baby's born healthy, fantastic. Everything's going great. And I get called into a meeting and this meeting just shows up on my calendar. I go, okay. And, and it's titled something weird. It's titled something really nondescript. And have you ever got called into a meeting where you get in there and you go, oh shit, this meeting is about me. Whoa. Okay. Wait, why? I'm in here with my boss, my direct supervisor, and my old direct supervisor. What is happening? And my big boss, who was not great at conversation, uh, not conversation. Uh, He wasn't particularly great at that either, as far as I recollect, but he wasn't great at confrontation. And so he starts alluding to something that I've written, but he won't tell me what, and he won't tell me where, and he said, you're saying bad things about the governor and with regard to this job. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I I don't, I can't tell. And he, there's some phrase he uses. And basically he's alluding to the origin story on John of all Us. So if you go there and you click on J O A T origin story, you'll see a story there. And it's basically about having burnout from a really cool job. Even if you have a cool job, you'll get burned out so that, basic crux of the story is I'm in the elevator. I'm wearing a suit. Someone asks me, Hey, where are you going? And I say, Oh, I have to go to the fucking governor's mansion again. And he's like, Oh wow. Okay. You have to go to the fucking governor's mansion again. So sorry for you. And I go, you're right. That's funny. Like that's, that's a very cool thing. Um, but I've just, I've had to go out every night. I want to go home. I want to just sit with my wife. I want to watch TV. I want to have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I don't want to do anything because I've been on constantly for what feels like the last several months. So I'm like, you're right. No, this will be cool. And any other time it would be cool. That's the nut of the story. Yet it's somehow conveyed or construed that I'm saying shitty things about the governor. Which I'm like, "Uh, you kind of missed the nut of the story. And also, who is your little spy here? Because if you'll notice, I refer to myself as John X. I did that on purpose so that it wouldn't show up in Google searches. So if anyone was looking for me, I can't remember if I put it on my LinkedIn or not. But whatever the case, I put some separation between my professional life and what I was doing on John of all trades. They didn't see it that way. They're like, you were close to getting terminated for this. I'm like, why am I just hearing about it now? This has been up for eight fucking months, you cowards. And the thing that annoys me the most is I let them off the hook too. I should have made them tell me exactly what they were talking about, but I guessed because I was socially uncomfortable. And I said, oh, you must be referring to this. And then I explained it. I tried to be lighthearted. I tried to diffuse it. And I walked out of there. I'm like, "Ah, you candy ass. Like make them make them tell you why you're in here. And I didn't do that but an opportunity lost whatever. So I've got my new supervisor and I tell him the whole story, everything from my old boss who I loved leaving to, you know, get the the promotion story where I yelled at my big boss to, you know, leadership training to this most recent episode and he goes, "Why are you still here?" I said, "I don't know and I don't know that I will be for long." And he said, "Okay." He's like, well, this is a small town. So if you're looking to get out, I will help you land softly because no job is worth that. I go, okay, great. Thank you very much. And I mean, that, that was like one of the first kind of honest moments I'd had in a long time at that company. So cut ahead to February, it's bonus season. I'm getting ready to uh, pull the emergency handle. I'm kind of quietly working in the background on my off hours and on my weekends talking with people, meeting with people, building the website for deft communications, because I, regardless, I'm getting out of there one way or the other. Come to find out they're doing staff reductions. And I go, okay, well, maybe they'll pay me to quit then. Maybe I can still get out of here, but that will soften the landing by even more. Hmm. All right. So again, I'm waiting it out. And every day I'm driving into work and I'm just dreading it, you know, because I have long since passed my time there where people are into my vibe um, to where I feel like I have a future in this company to where my project work has started to erode. It All my stuff has been handed off. I'm going in basically daring the Internet to bore me. And especially in that last month and a half, oh my God, March and April, I'm just going in there and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I have very little to do. Why am I even here? So finally, the day comes, it's April 7th. And I find out that's the day it's going to happen. I've already cleaned out my office. And I finally get the call It's at like one 30 in the afternoon and it's my big boss. And he said, can you come up to this office, please? I come up there, Tim, some HR lady I've never met. And it unfolds exactly the way it does in the movie up in the air. John, as you know, the company has been going through some financial difficulties or however he said it, like the old price had taken a shit just a few months prior and everyone was doing really, really poorly. And which made our bonuses shit by the way, too. And so as a result of that, your position is no longer available, which by the way, what the hell does that even mean? Your position is no longer available. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I just, I mean, essentially you took it away. Um, so it's no longer available. Okay. What, why am I even thinking about this? It's uh, Jesus Christ. This episode has gone too long. So I go, okay, here's my credit card. Here's my parking pass. Here's my badge. Here's everything that that you could want. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. See you around town. And I left and I felt great about it. And the only thing that was weird is one of my coworkers was the one who had to walk me out. And so he walks out of the office. He goes, oh, Jesus, they didn't tell me it was going to be you first. I'm like, "Eh, don't sweat it. You're a good dude. I kind of knew this was coming. Go down to my office. He's like, we can ship your stuff to you. You can carry out what you can fit you know, kind of in your arms, but we'll ship everything else. And he's looking around. He goes, did you already move out of here? I go, yep. Like I said, I kind of had an idea. This was coming, went home, saw my wife, saw my daughter, got good and drunk that night. And then the next day sent out the press release announcing that I had formed deft communications. And the reason I did that was because (sighs) a, I have a problem with authority. And B, I wanted to show them that I was better than what I had demonstrated. I wanted to show them that I still had some moxie because I had mentally checked out of that job a long time prior to that. And like I said, it was hard to go in every day. And part of the reason was my big boss and I were like oil and water in so many ways. And the key one was... He was most productive when he called everyone together and we all sat in a big ballroom or a conference room and we basically threw the net out into the bay and fucking dragged back whatever it was to shore. And whatever made it to shore is what we worked on. I'm terrible in those environments. I don't do my best thinking. I don't do my best working. I'm not enjoying myself in the least. At the end of every meeting, he would say, okay, and as always, dinner is optional. I'd go, okay, see you later. I'm an introvert. I cannot handle this much like togetherness. I have to go be by myself, even though like I knew they were picking up dinner on the like, corporate card and we would always go to nice places. I just couldn't handle any more socialization. I do my best thinking alone. I like when I'm at my desk banging out work product, that's when I'm most productive. That's when I'm most stimulated. That's how I get shit done. That's not how it worked in this department. So that was really tough for me. And I didn't do what I feel like was work that showed who I was. So number one, I wanted to show them, Hey, look, I'm better than this. And secondly, it's like, Hey, you know what? Um, You laid me off. I already have my next gig. So it was just kind of a a thumb to the eye because like I said, I was much more ornery and pissy and just kind of a pain in the ass. I'd like to think I'm a lot better now. The extent to which that's true is up to you and I'm cool with whatever you think because I'm in a place now where I kind of determine my own fate and I'm not subject to the whims of business unit managers who don't handle crisis. Well, or bosses who are afraid to tell me why they've called me in for a disciplinary meeting, you know, like I'm much happier now that I don't have those pressures. And so ultimately, I loved my time at that company and I am grateful for it. And when I say I loved it, if you've been listening for the last 40 plus minutes, you go really? Yeah, I did. And it's because of that ambassador program. I got to meet almost everyone in the company. I met people in every department, every walk of life, and I got to help them be better in their own lives. And the reason I say that is because that's what they told me. They said, People would ask me questions about oil and gas and I didn't know how to answer. And it made me feel bad about what I did. Now I know how to have those conversations. That makes a difference to me. And I go, you know what? That makes a difference to me too. And I'm glad we did this and I'm proud of the work that we did. So I'm grateful for my time there. Were there a few personalities I could do without? Yeah, absolutely. Are there some people I hope I never see again? 100%. But the vast majority of the folks I intersected with, I adore. I get to work with charities I got to work with nonprofits. I got to build relationships through trade associations. I get to learn so much about the ways in which community, uh, about the ways in which corporations communicate. That is all intensely valuable. And I don't think I would be here today having done deft communications now for five and a half years. By the way, that's my longest job. How fucked up is that? That is my longest job I've ever had. And it's still going. I couldn't have done that. Without the experience, I got it noble. So I will always value my time there. I will always appreciate the experiences and the lessons learned. And you know what? Thank God it's over. Godspeed to everyone who's still working there, who I worked with. And I hope this acquisition by Chevron goes swimmingly for you. I'm excited for what the future holds. I hope you are too. And you know what? That's my corporate job. And that's probably going to be about all I say about it. So I think it's time to play the outro, don't you? The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Training, content, engagement, podcasting. That's right. I'm a professional podcast producer. Can't say that when you're working for an oil and gas company. Hit me up if you want to talk about any of those things. Whether it's more traditional PR, whether it's training, if you want to get better at speaking in front of people, or if you want to start a podcast, I'll help you conceptualize it and then produce it. D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. J-O-N at defcom dot U-S via email. And sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, 4Degrees can help you do it better. If you're building a website, doing some online advertising, social media marketing, 4Degrees will help you optimize that. It will get your message right, and then get it in front of the people who need to hear it most. So number four, D-E-G-R-E E-S. Stay up to date with John of All Trades on social media. That's J-O-A-T pod on cross-platform, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. New episodes drop on Wednesdays. Episode previews are on Facebook only. That's on Mondays. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or another podcatcher, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. And all those things help John of All Trades. I'm back here next week with a brand new guest. This is the last solo episode for just a little bit. We're back to guests. It's been a great year. I can't wait to bring you more and highlight the people doing work. that is cool, necessary, fun, and I hope you are staying safe, staying sane, wearing your goddamn mask. I can't wait to hear you again. Until I do, say goodnight, Chris. That's good, Johnny.